0: Hi and welcome to our worship here at Dorchester Community Church. My name's Roger and I'm one of the leaders of the church here. So it's great to see you if you're watching online. But it's also great to see you here, even though it's come early for a back seat, it looks like. Nobody's wanted to sit anywhere near any of us at all near the front. But just make it known to people watching that there are people here. That's good. That's good. Calm down, calm down. Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. It's good to see you all here Uh, anyway. We've been uh, going through the book of James in our studies. We've seen that it's not just good to keep hearing the word, but rather we ought to seek to be doers of the word as opposed to just hearers. We've also seen, we're exploring that it's not good to have what we discovered last week was just a dead faith. We must have this living, active faith that then results in good works. And now we've come to something really practical in this letter. It deals with the area of speech, our main form of communication that we use every day. So we've called it watch your mouth. So I hope that you're on your best behaviour this morning. More about that a little bit later. What we discover can equally though apply to every other form of personal communication we use every day. And of course, that may well involve emails, the texts that we send out, online communication tools like MSN Chat, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, or whatever else it is that you are into. Every form of personal communication must come under what is written here from this book of James, not just speech alone. Having said that, It ought to be pointed out that no form of personal communication is readily more accessible or faster than speech. Here's a few stats for you. By writing, remember back in the day when we used to do that? By writing, apparently, um, our thoughts, we can convey our thoughts at 30 words per minute. Typing on a full keyboard is faster. That accounts for maybe 50 words per minute. A mobile phone user, well, apparently you can text then just as fast as an iPhone up to 60 words per minute. But speaking can easily achieve 150 words per minute. My mother can double that. <laughs> and you may well, you may well know somebody else that can get a lot of words into a minute. But the best thing about verbal speech is that you don't need to have Wi-Fi. You don't need to make sure that the batteries are charged up or anything else. There are advantages. There is, therefore, nothing that excels verbal speech for personal communication. Now then, studies have shown that men, on average, use 16,000 words a day. (coughs) Women... Use about the same. Don't look at me, all judgmental. I'm just reading out the stats I came across this week. Roger, stop looking at your wife like that, please. Right, okay. So if that indicates how many words we're going to be using in any given day, we better pay close attention to what God's word says to us. So we're going to be looking at that in a little while from James chapter 3. But firstly, now that we're allowed as well, we're going to use our tongues to praise our God. So if you're able, do please stand as Clara leads us in our worship together.
1: Well, how do you follow that then? Only with the Bible reading, that's all we can do, isn't it? This is James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt be? Water flow from the same spring. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water.
0: Thank you very much, Val, and thanks, Clara and Charlene as well for leading our worship. Great to be able to sing the praise of our God, isn't it? Once again, really, really good. On a windswept hill in an English country uh, churchyard stands a drab grey slate tombstone. The faint etchings read these words. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. (laughs) Let's hope that we learn what that woman apparently never did. How to tame the tongue. I like the quote I read this week that said these words. As you go through life, you are going to have many opportunities to keep your mouth shut. Take advantage of all of them. (laughs) If there is a subject that is of relevance for all of us, it's probably how we use our tongue, isn't it? If we were in any doubt whatsoever about this being a problem area, James is honest and he states that no one is perfect. I really like that, don't you? As opposed to kind of the the hard-hitting stuff that James uh, comes out with. The fact that he, he indicates that no one is perfect for me, that's always a huge encouragement. He warns us of the dangers of the tongue, our inconsistency of how we use our tongue and our prayer should be that God has given us our tongue as our gift, so therefore we should value it and use it wisely as he designed. In one sense, it's not rocket science, but an another sense, this is a very real issue. It's no point in us saying, well, that's very straightforward. I get all of that. That's easy because we blow it here, don't we? And it's interesting when you're studying for a subject like this, because my antennae has been acutely aware of my own tongue this week, but also of other people's. And I got a list of names here in my pocket. No, 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 that wouldn't really be appropriate, would it? Let's start with the fact that none of us get it right uh, all the time. Would that be true? Yes. Anybody care to disagree with that? No? Okay, because that would be one mistake about the dangers of pride coming out straight away, wouldn't it? None of us get it right all the time. Speech is, of course, a wonderful gift uh, from God. Uh, my sister works um, uh, as, uh, as in sign language and she acts as a voice for those people who have no voice. And she's very passionate about that. We take our speech for granted. When used properly, it can do marvellous things, can't it? Words that are carefully chosen, arranged and uttered, have rallied people together, built nations, brought peace and prosperity. Or it may well be that you're in a romantic relationship and you've written a poem or a song to your beloved or whatever. Those are all good uses of the tongue. But speech, of course, is a a sword that cuts both ways. It's destroyed marriages, families, misled and deceived millions of people. It's incited war and rebellion called untold misery, death and destruction. I like the way that James includes himself when right at the beginning of this chapter in verse two, he says that we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. Each of us have sinned and hurt others by what we have said with our tongues. And if you need a little bit of a, of a reminder as to how, what about the telling of lies, of half-truths, of making false accusations, of giving grossly exaggerated or dishonest reports, of boasting, of slandering, of cursing, of using vulgarities, of backbiting, or of overflattering, to name just a few. Anybody want to leave right now? It's a lot easier to talk about this without mentioning the specifics. But when we mention the specifics, it's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? Verse 2, we read, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what they say, he is a perfect man or woman, able to keep their whole body in check. Perfect does not mean sinlessly perfect, but rather mature. We can never achieve sinless perfection in this life, but we can grow in spiritual maturity. Each of us should be seeking uh, to do that, to continue on our journey positively. Uh, And one important gauge of that, I guess, is here in how we use our Tongue, especially when the pressure uh, is on. I like the illustration that uh, that I heard from one uh, pastor friend of mine years ago. Actually, it's somebody who, uh, who enabled me to uh, to come to faith. His name's Harry Kilbride. and I was around a, a meal table uh, with Harry Kilbride and his family. And I remember him telling me this story uh, that uh, that uh, uh, there was a, a guy in a particular pastor's congregation. He said, "Pastor, I I need to visit you because I've cracked it." cracked what? I've cracked it. The sinful nature. I sin no more. No more. I'm so excited. I need to speak to you all about it. Well, of course, the pastor was quite intrigued. He invited him over. They had a cup of coffee together uh, at a local cafe. And midway through, when this uh, member of his congregation was sharing about how they'd achieved this conquering of their sinful nature, the pastor got hold of a glass of water and threw it in this guy's face. And within a split second, you can imagine the sort of expletives that then uh, came forth and the pastor said, whoa, 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 whoa. You see, your sinful nature's not dead. Just asleep. Just needed waking up. (laughs) True story. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 reminds us, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. We can feel okay on a good day, can't we? And then something can happen. Maybe we're driving the car (laughs) or whatever it is, or somebody says something in a particular way that grates with us, and suddenly something can come out of our mouths and we're maybe quite embarrassed or even ashamed, either at the moment or at a later time. Or, of course, even worse, if somebody from the church overhears... Some people can be so used to criticising others, of course, that it becomes a part of their own nature where they don't even realise it. It's a trouble when we get used to and comfortable with particular sins because sin then doesn't feel like sin anymore. That's when maybe we need to help one another and be courageous. about. Hang on, are are you sure we ought to be maybe talking like that? That's a difficult conversation to have. But it's important if we love one another. You know, the closer we get to God, often the more aware that we are of our own failings. Think about Peter in Luke chapter 5 when there was that that miraculous catch of fish. And he's so excited to be there, to see right before his very eyes what Jesus has done. And then the penny drops and he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm, I'm a sinful man. John, on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, had that, that sense of, uh, uh, as well. John Blanchard said these words. He said, God is fitting the believer for heaven. But the closer that he gets to it, the more aware he is that he is not uh, fit to enter. Wonder how you feel you're doing in that regard. So let's recognize that we all blow it in many ways, but also with including what we're th- thinking about this morning, the use of our tongues. Secondly, let's be aware of the potential for evil. And there's a variety of illustrations here that James cites between verses 3 to 8. In verses 3 to 6, he's comparing this this very little tongue, uh, this little organ that we have, the three things, the small uh, little metal piece called a bit that's placed in a horse's mouth to direct its movements, the little rudder, at the back of a large ship, which enables that large ship to turn around. And then a little fire that can um, uh, reduce a whole forest to ashes. And of course, you would have seen the reality of that on your TV screens through the news over recent weeks, as I have. We can see the power of what started off small but the devastation that can result. James's point of comparison is not so much the matter of control, because the the tongue doesn't really control uh, the body. We're in control of our tongue. But it's the incredible influence of such a small part. I mean, just just look around at somebody that you feel comfortable with, that you know quite well, and poke your tongue out at them just for a moment. Right, it, it, not not that long, Jill. That was a bit a bit too long there uh, to her husband. There, kind of like almost validating something there deep within. They're going to have a bit of a prayer time, I think, later. <laughs> it is only a very small part of the body, uh, isn't it? But we must never underestimate the power of our speech. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but will names will never hurt me. Who on earth teaches our children such tripe? I don't know how old I was before I realised what a... Oh, I've got to be be careful what I say. What a load of rubbish that is. Anybody here ever been hurt by anything that somebody's said something to them? Everybody. Everybody. May we not be the sort of adult that ever says to a child, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Oh, yes, they will. Yes, they will. And yes, they do. And yes, they have. The tongue is this very small part of our bodies, but it can cause such damage as you've just testified to. If you've got a pen, maybe check out Psalm 52, verse 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 6, Proverbs 10, verse 11, Chapter fifteen, verse one; chapter sixteen, verse twenty-seven; or Ephesians four and verse twenty-nine. You can always download this to go back over these verses in case you haven't got a pen. Don't worry. The tongue: four things I want to mention briefly. The tongue destructs. We know that. I've mentioned about friendships, marriages, careers, reputations. The tongue is probably the only part of our body that is that has the capacity to break all 10 commandments. Have a think about that, or maybe do a study of the 10 commandments and think, wow, that's probably true. We read in verse 6 uh, there that the tongue is also a fire, a, word, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It pollutes, it corrupts uh, a world of evil. Cosmos is the word. It's a stain that wrecks. It's like having a leaky pen in a pocket. Have you ever uh, had a leaky pen in a pocket? Um, up until a couple of years ago, I was captain of, a, of an evening league cricket team, and I could rem- never remember who had bowled how many overs, and there was a set number of overs that each person was allowed to bowl. So I had a pen and paper in my white Trousers. Do I need to continue the illustration? No, I don't. That stupid pen went and leaked and my nice pristine white trousers are now a colourful shade of blue. Or they were until I got uh, a new pair. The tongue is also a doorway for Satan. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by Satan hell. Jesus used that same word that's written here for hell 11 times. He used it to describe and define the place of eternal torment. Now, most Christians would feel a sense of disdain towards people or the sins like murder, abuse, paedophilia, child slavery and gang rape. Wouldn't that be true? We would not be at all surprised if we were to all agree that those things were uh, satanically depraved. And yet, we find it a lot easier to tolerate slander, deceit, half-truths, blasphemy, sarcastic put-downs, and other wrongs of the tongue, as if they were no big deal. But James says that all such sins have their origin in the pit of hell. Don't we like to play games with big sin, little sin, as if we're somehow so much better than other people who fall into that not very nice category of descriptions of people or actions that I read a little bit earlier. Maybe we need to take stock afresh of the way the Lord sees our use of our tongues. And we also see that James says here in verses 7 to 8 that despite us being able to tame animals, that no one can tame the tongue that's not to say that the tongue is untamable, it's not untainable, it 's only untainable, humanly speaking. There is a God who is able to do that which we are unable to do. James says that it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That is pretty graphic language, isn't it? Certainly for a Sunday morning. If you were here for a quick bless me, uh, sorry about that. You've had some nice songs, but this is what the word of God uh, is saying handle it as cautiously as you would anthrax or sulfuric acid, in other words. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now just imagine that all of us here this morning had the opportunity to bring into church a full-length, unsheathed, razor-sharp, double-edged sword to just kind of like flay around and have a bit of fun with. That would be a dangerous place uh, to be in, wouldn't it? The fact is we have a razor-sharp, two-edged sword in our mouths already. We should use it with the greatest of care to bring healing, not injury. Lehman Strauss, in a book that he wrote called James, Your Brother, considers James 3 to be a key to the solution of most of the ills in the Christian church today. I'm not going to comment on that, but we can see where he's going on that, can't we? Churchill once said the power of man has grown in every sphere except over himself. And of course, often that is with regards to what comes out of our mouths. Imagine that we had a warning sign. Wouldn't that be something that would be quite helpful for us? If somehow attached to our tongue, (laughs) we had a Tommy the tongue as an equivalent that was on our person. And just imagine that, that each time something unhealthy was about to come out of our (coughs) mouths, suddenly Tommy the Tongue kicked in, just so that we could maybe halt that which was going on. (coughs) This is from the game Taboo. Anybody play Taboo? Yeah, it's a good game, isn't it? But if you say the wrong thing, you get squeaked at, don't you? But just imagine something like that, and you had that fixed to you before you came into church today. I wonder whether or not the silence in church, apart from that pre-service song, which was beautiful, would be kind of like covered up with a variety of that going on. And of course, we laugh at the illustration... (laughs) <laughs> but we suddenly are thinking crumbs i'm pleased that that isn't the case okay i'm pleased that that's not the case then <clears throat> of course we might not have a tommy the tongue or whatever you want to call that little uh, that little pet name but what we do have if we we're a christian is god's holy spirit already within There ought to be, therefore, a sense of friction we ought to feel if we are walking by the Spirit of God, the moment something that clashes with that comes out of our mouths. I've heard literally hundreds of Christians swear. And there's no big deal, it seems very often, with Christians that come out with those expletives. I can remember us running a church football team here. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. And it'd be very easy for me to illustrate some of the things that went wrong with what came out sometimes, just at the speed of... And you know how quick it can be, can't it? That sense of our walking with the Spirit doesn't come automatically to then control our tongue, as if we've got no part to play in that whatsoever, as if, oh, well, it's not my fault, they did this, or that person said that. There's an act of the will. There's something about me within this, isn't there? With the decisions that's going on, with something that reflects really where I'm at in my walk with God or otherwise, about whether or not I'm able to rein it in or come out with something. Each of us have a responsibility to exercise great care over what we say. We also, of course, have one another. And as I've alluded to, in the same way as we ought to be loving one another, We ought to be helping one another when we feel stuff comes out. Give permission to be real with one another so we can vent our disappointment or our frustration or our anger. But we don't need to do that in a way that is abusive of others and therefore cross a line. May your conversation be seasoned with grace is what scripture encourages Let's just reflect on that whilst we sing a song together before we continue and look at hypocrisy as something a little bit more gentle. But first, let's praise the name of our Lord. Claire and Chant- Chantelle are going to lead us.
2: Thank you, Roger. So we're going to sing uh, together. So if you're able and uh, you'd like to, please stand. We're going to sing, Oh, praise the name. Of the Lord our God. I cast my mind, I cast my mind to. His body bound, his body bound, unbranched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still. He shall return, he shall return.
0: relief. You could even use this, of course, in a fun way, couldn't you, at home? If there's more than one of you at home, just think, just as you hear something coming out that may well not be appropriate, you could always just gently and lovingly say, Did I hear Tommy then? You never know. Simple, silly things can sometimes help, can't they? So let's have a look at verses 9 to 12. Refuse to be a hypocrite. We're going to read those verses again with the tongue. We praise our Lord and Father. And we've just been doing that, haven't we? And with it, we curse men and women who have been made in God's likeness. Made in in God's likeness. Calvin said, he who truly worships God will be afraid to speak slanderously of others. And that was the reason why who have been made in god's likeness verse 10 out of the same mouth come praise and cursing this should not be brothers and sisters can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same thing well neither can a salt spring produce fresh water would you depend on such a spring to supply your drinking water no of course not. There is that obvious rhetorical response, isn't there? I don't think so. How would you know when its sweetness would turn into, busy, into uh, bitterness? Natural springs were commonplace in the Middle East, uh, either salty or fresh. Neither are both. They can't be, can they? They're either going to be one or the other. It ought to be impossible for both bad and good to come out of our own mouths. Godly praise and then ungodly gossip to go from worship to wounding. James says that Christians can sometimes worship God one minute and then slag off other people that God himself has made in his own likeness that's quite a challenge, isn't it? Before we speak about someone else, maybe we should ask ourselves, hang on a minute, is what I'm saying truthful? If we don't exercise care in speaking, people will often maybe then uh, challenge the truthfulness of our words. We then have an, uh, are ending up having to make excuses or backtrack retractions and apologize for things that maybe we should never have said in the first place. Is it necessary? Is it appropriate? Is it respectful? These are simple questions that can be quite helpful for us to think about in terms of speech. And they're certainly very helpful to think about before you whack back a text or an email that often gets sent back too quickly when we're still too angry. However you're feeling, get it out on paper or on a phone maybe, but in draft form come back to it maybe later, an hour later, or even better, 24 hours later. Sometimes when the dust has settled or we're a little bit more uh, calm, a little bit more rational, we've something off of somebody else, we're able to deliver a response a little bit more respectfully. A good rule to follow, one person said, is this, if you have nothing good to say about someone, then it is good to say nothing about them. That means there's no place for gossip, of course. Of course, in the church, we don't gossip. We share items for prayer. (laughs) Do you know how despicable that is? To actually colour something up that we're desperately eager to drop somebody else in it about another person, but we vindicate ourselves by spiritualising it. Many times I've heard that, as if that somehow makes it okay To just chuck on on the end of it. Just for prayer, have a think first about what the motive is for what we are saying, what we're saying. Fresh water comes from a fresh source. Salty water comes from a salty source. What comes out flows from what is deep within, which is why the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks the mouth is simply the opening that vents whatever is truly in our heart. If there's raw sewage in the heart, that which is going to come out is going to be raw sewage gushing from the mouth. If we want to tame the tongue, the starting point is firstly for us to evaluate our own state of our hearts, which is why Proverbs 4, verse 23, exhorts us, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it Flows the springs of life. Alec Mateer, commenting on this passage, said, Unloving speech issues from the heart where the love of God is a stranger. That's a challenge, isn't it? So lastly, let's use Our tongues as God intended and that's for praise we've had that opportunity as we meet together or as you've been singing uh, from where you're watching this broadcast and that's great Psalm 34 verse 1 says his praise will always be on my lips but let's also use our tongue for God in confession when we blow it which we will let's go one step further than apologizing to God and maybe dare to apologize to the person that we've spoken about in a way that we shouldn't. Or using our mouths for God in our witness is another thing, isn't it? Worse, of course, is when out of our mouths isn't that our words are used for God, but about God, misusing God's name or the name of Christ in profanity or in cursing. Now, I don't know if you're into uh, the various expressions that get text around. One of them, LOL, laugh out loud. People just for quickness put uh, LOL. But OMG is used uh, very often. Now, do you want me to spell out what OMG stands for? I don't really need to, do I? I, I've had that from Christians. It's actually blasphemous if you think about what it's spelling out. Okay? Okay. For those of you not into that, I will say it's, oh, my God. Now, let's not get over the top about it. But let's maybe think before we just connect in with what is seemingly socially acceptable or culturally acceptable. We ought to be challenging the status quo. And that's a very easy way for us, I think, to do that. Let's use our tongue for others Say please. Say thank you. We teach a two-year-old and a three-year-old, but are quick to maybe not use the same pleases and thank yous with as much readiness. And what about our encouragement of one and another? Uh, I know um, uh, Andrew I hope you won't mind me saying this, was really touched by the encouragement that she felt through people uh, making contact a couple of weeks back when we had all sorts of stuff that was not working right uh, technology-wise. The power of encouragement. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 reminds us that we should encourage one another daily. Hello? Weekly? Monthly? Annually? Never? Daily. Daily. One another. Another verse for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11, encourage one another and build each other up. Would somebody like to read out for me that obvious verse, please, that speaks about the occasions that we should seek to discourage one another and knock people down? Anybody? We'd have to wait a long time, wouldn't we? Because there isn't one. You know this is a Rogerism playing his stupid, silly games. But it's to make a point, dear friends, that our tongues have such power for good. So let's seek to really gush forth positives to everyone that we meet. Now, having said that, please on the way out, don't comment and compliment me on my hairstyle or anything else like that. There is a going overboard, isn't there, and a falseness. But let's seek ways that we can capture some means of encouraging one another. And also, let's use our tongue for ourselves. Speaking, singing, sharing, these are great things that we enjoy, don't we? They're blessings. So let's thank God for his gift. We're going to respond by singing a couple of songs together that help us reflect on our heartfelt response as we sing and as the words then come forth on our tongues. And then Mandy is going to come and lead us in prayer. Thank you.
2: So as Mandy comes up to share prayers, we just want to keep that thought that we want to glorify God in our lives and as a church. Amen.
3: Good morning everybody. The singing is just beautiful today. Thank you. And the other morning as I was getting ready for the day, I was suddenly aware of all the wrong thoughts that were flooding through my mind. There was so much stuff in there that wasn't from God. And I know today's word is about watching what comes from our mouths. But I believe God wants us to pray about guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus too. So let's pray. Dear Father God, we pray to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, Thank you that you give us so many lovely things to concentrate our minds on. Living or being here in Dorset, we don't have to go far to see your beautiful creation all around us. Help us to stop and see, to see the breathtaking countryside, the beautiful beaches, the abundant wildlife, to breathe the fresh air that you give us. To smell the breeze on the ocean. To be aware that every breath is a gift from you. You are amazing, God. And creation sings praise to you. And we worship you. Thank you. Please help us to capture every thought and train our minds to focus and trust in you. Thank you for your promise in the Bible, in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I know that I need to concentrate on that verse. But you made us and you know us. And your word tells us in Psalm 139 that you are familiar with all our ways. Before a word is on our tongue, you know it completely. So you know what thoughts attack us and you know what troubles us. Those we love, whom we're worried about, our fears and our deepest hidden thoughts. So in a few moments of quietness, please search our hearts and minds, dear Lord, and help us to bring to you the concerns of our minds. If you're sitting here in the congregation, or if you're at home, quietly in your own mind, present your request to God. Dear Lord, we also lift up those to you who we know who aren't well and ask that you'll stay close to them. To Paul and to Jill and to my little granddaughter, Ophelia, who's not been well since Thursday evening. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Please give us the faith to trust you with what we have just laid before you. And to leave it with you. And quoting from the end of Psalm 139, we pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mandy. One of the good opportunities that we have in using our tongue is when God speaks and we seek to share one with another. And uh, although this isn't part of the script, every now and then somebody's uh, got such a sense of what God is saying to them and they want to pass that on. And uh, Jane has felt the Lord laid something on her heart which she's just shared with me. So Paul hopefully is going to go to where Jane is with the microphone that works we hope just off the back of those songs that we've been singing about inviting God to be glorified through us just reflect on what that really means Thanks, Paul. Yeah, okay. Jane. Yeah, as we
3: were... Yeah, as we were singing that song that Clara so beautifully brought to us, I really felt God saying to me, Are you really ready? Um, yeah as we were singing that song that
2: Clara brought to us I really felt God saying are you really ready are you really ready for me to be glorified in your life your life are you really ready for me to be glorified in your in your church are you ready for me to be glorified in what I'm going to ask you to do Are you ready for me to be glorified in reaching out and moving forward? For me, your God, to be glorified? Oh, oh, oh. In this area, are you ready?
0: Bless you, Jane. Let's pray. Let's be still before God. Because as that challenge comes, that's a challenge for ourselves individually as a part of his church. What's my role? What's our role in response to what he might be saying? So let's be still before him. Thank you, Jane. Does anybody else have a verse of scripture or an encouragement or something that you feel God's put on your heart that you want to share that goes alongside that or that complements what Jane has just brought? I don't want to rush on. It's important that we don't miss out on something that's a specific that God wants to say. If you've got any questions uh, about today it would be great to hear from you. If you've been watching this broadcast and anything is challenged at you at all we would love to hear from you. Just a few thoughts as we as we seek to draw things to a conclusion here. There's a rabbi by the name of Joseph Telushkin who's lectured around the world on the powerful and negative impact of words. He's asked audiences if they could possibly go for 24 hours without saying anything unkind whatsoever about or to anybody. And he says these words, Invariably, a minority of listeners raise their hands, signifying yes. Some laugh, and quite a large number call out no. He responds in this way, Those who can't answer yes must recognise that they have a serious problem. If you can't go for 24 hours without drinking alcohol, you're deemed addicted to alcohol. If you can't go for 24 hours without smoking, you're deemed addicted to nicotine. Similarly, I believe if you can't go for 24 hours without saying anything unkind uh, towards somebody else, then you must surely be addicted to a misuse of the tongue. There is no area of life in which so many of us systematically violate the golden rule. Proverbs 18 verse 21 reminds us that the tongue has the power of life and of death. It's up to us. We've got a choice how we use it, even today. Jesus is our role model. We read in 1 Peter 2.22, He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. As a prayer, maybe we could utter these words from Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. Now, those words were picked up and lifted up in 1978 by Boney M, believe it or not, who had a number one hit record. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I just want to see that your tongues are in working order. So, the words went, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Please, tonight, by the rivers of... Round of applause, everybody! Yes! I thought it'd be good to end on a lighter note, but before we sing our final song, another prayer that I thought was so fitting, from Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let's stand as we worship God together with this great hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Make sure you have lots of positive conversation before you go because Tommy's listening. Enjoy. Thanks ever so much for coming. God bless you.